right, guys, you're here with Josh Thompson for Punk's Opinion. I'm going to give you my two cents on a couple of things that are going on right now uh, around the MMA world. And obviously the number one thing I think people are talking about right now is the fact that there's going to be an interim lightweight title. And with Dustin Poirier, like I see producer Dave back there just shaking his head. <laughs> it's yeah, so it's funny. The worst thing ever, man. Man, that doesn't make any sense, bro. I think we should pull up the Oprah scene where she says, "You get an interim title. You get an interim title. You get one, and why can't you all get interim titles?" So, no, this is uh. Look, you guys, excuse me. I'm. I just got over an extremely uh big cold. I was like death row on Thursday, Friday, and I've uh, been sick as hell. So, uh, pardon the voice, and um, obviously you guys are all used to my coughing and clearing my throat by now. <laughs> like so. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so that all that being said, look, let's talk about the, um, the stuff that's going on. So Khabib uh, is on hold, I believe, until like November is pretty much what he's going to do. Uh, with the suspension from Nevada State Athletic Commission. He will not be fighting in Nevada anymore. I had a chance to chat with him a little bit recently and uh, just quickly through uh, through um, through text and uh, conversation. So it doesn't seem that things are going the way that I think Dana had would have liked them to. So the fact that he is not interested in really fighting in Vegas anymore, <clears throat> that being said... I think Dana's trying to find ways to potentially get him not so much as being the champion, but just get him out of being in the limelight. Um, when there's people that you cannot control uh, as a fighter, then they're looking to um, you know, figure out ways around that not being an issue. And that happening means that they need to <clears throat> take some of the power back from, from Khabib. Look... I, I'm actually really ex I'm really excited for Dustin Poirier. I've been a big fan of his for a long time. Had opportunity to train with him a couple times out with Frankie Edgar uh, in New Jersey. Great kid, amazing kid. Um, and the fact that Max Holloway and him are both fighting for the interim title, uh, I think it's going to be great. The one thing that I can say is this, though. I do feel, I, in, given my experience of fighting uh, Tony Ferguson, I do feel that it's, it's upsetting. But... Um, it's disappointing that he's not that he didn't take this opportunity to to fight for the interim title. I don't get it. I, I I just truly do not understand why he didn't do it. It just means that you're first in line. You're the number like you're already the number one contender, but now you're not. So you're gonna wait even longer to fight the winner. Like it doesn't. You just put yourself back even further. And the other thing though too is that Tony, you're not you're not a spring chicken, bro. Like you're fighting like you are, but I can tell you from experience that 36, 35, 36, you know, 37 is is that age. And I believe you're 35 right now. You might be 36 by now. Maybe he's younger. Uh, I'm pulling up right now. Yeah, um, I, I I think he he might be 34, but I think he's 35. Yeah, he's 35 years old. So. I mean, I had, you know, like, I had good experiences at 36 years old, you know, but I mean, I'm obviously you've had a rough road with injuries as of late, like with your knee and with, and you've came back strong. I mean, no one's knocking the fact that Tony Ferguson came back like a fucking animal, you know, and uh, had a fucking amazing fight against Anthony Pettis, probably one of the best I've ever seen, you know, um, as far as entertainment wise, but 
I mean, I, I don't understand why you didn't take that fight. And then let me, maybe Tony Ferguson explains why he turned down the fight. Let's let's read about this. What did he say? Do you want me to read that off? Yeah, please. So he says, um, oh, why the hell, man? He's BJ Penn's joke. Wow. The website, bro, is it? Whatever. Uh, we took some un, uh, unneeded damage this past year. Which I don't. What wh what does that mean? He took unneeded damage. Well, I think when he fought Tony Ferguson, there was a lot of un or not Tony Ferguson, but uh, Pettis. Anthony Pettis. There was a lot of damage he took in that fight. Even though maybe it didn't seem like it, dude, but, he took some fucking unneeded. big. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't need to fight like that. I think. I mean, the fight was a very good fight, but I mean, he came back a lot sooner than he should have, and everyone talked about that. The fact that like he came the very first leg kick, he switched his stance. It, it hurt him. And the rest of that fight was, I think he understood after that first leg kick that he needed to fucking bite down on his mouthpiece and get the job done because his chances of getting a shot after that were gone had he not won that fight. The UFC is not into, into building stars that are over 32 years old. They're just not going to do it. They're, they're not going to, there's no way, man. DC's and the exception. DC's not really the exception. He just happens to keep winning. That's the only thing. Like, if DC once DC was gonna lose to Bra or to once he lost to uh, John Jones, they were ready to just push him to the side and let him go. They they were ready for that, or maybe even bump him to heavyweight because all their good heavyweights are gone. Kane was hurt. Um, Brock was out of there. I mean, like there was no one that was really marketable after that. You know, they they tried building uh Ngannou and Stipe, and it just didn't work. So the fact is, is that once Tony was, if he would have lost, they would have been like. Okay, we're done with you. And and I think Tony understands that. Like they haven't tried to build him at all. The kid's a fucking nasty, man. He's nasty good. And there's there's never been a knock on him as far as other than the fact that he just doesn't sell. And that's the hardest. Shades indoors. What's that? Anywhere shades indoors. Yeah, that's a little that's a little bit of a knock. Yeah. I mean I, I kind of understand that. <laughs> Seems a little little weird. So yeah. uh, so he goes on to say that uh, recovery from the knee surgery and battling through adversity really yep. put a damper on the overall mood these last few months. Yeah. We're working harder to be better than yesterday. Uh, I make lots of mistakes. Nobody's perfect. Have a great weekend. Be safe and stay warm. We've got work to do. But that's all he says, really. Yeah, but the thing is, that's a, look, he's the number one contender. There's no doubt that he should be getting the shot. I don't understand why. I think, he th I think that he understands that both these guys – they're both going to pose a tough fight for him. Both of them. Now, do I think that Tony can beat both of them? I think he has a good chance of beating both of them. I would say it's more than 50-50 chance of beating both of them. Um, but he's also looking in terms of a longer career. He wants to fight probably another four or five years. I mean, I would say at least another three to four years. So if that being said... There's no I don't think he wants to I don't think he wants to make sure that he's 100% healed, which I think that Pettis fight he did there was some damage done to his leg. He came back too soon. And this is I think showing this is admitting that he came back too soon. That fight put a lot of wear and tear on his body and I think he wants to kind of wait for the dust to settle. He's proven time and time again that he's the number 1 contender. There's no reason for him to go out there and get a fight like this right now when he can pretty much wait for the dust to settle and fight the, the winner of whoever comes out on top. Look, there's so much that can happen with Khabib. Khabib could say like, hey, I mean, the UFC, you've already seen, they've already shut down the whole the whole idea of him fighting GSP. And when we had Khabib on the show um, with Islam and with uh, Zuba, we had talked with them about it, and they said like they had a game plan. And the game plan was, look, 
to beat uh, Conor McGregor after beating Conor McGregor that he wanted to fight GSP. He admitted it on our show and then potentially moving up to 170. People keep commenting in the comment section about how, yeah, like, you know, he said he would never go to 170. No, he did not say he would never go to 170. He said right now he doesn't see going to 170. He has, th he had things in his mind planned out. And look, not everything's going to go according to plan, obviously, especially when you're dealing with the promotion who has a lot of control over all the all the athletes and what goes on in the show. I have no idea why Dana did it um, as far as putting a stop to it. I do know that there was, and I had said this, I don't know how long ago, that there was interest from GSP to fight Khabib. There was tons of interest. He was going to fight the winner, not just Khabib. He was looking to fight the winner of Khabib and, and Conor McGregor. Did you see the press conference, GSP, that, where he retired? No, I saw like highlights of it. I didn't see the whole thing. Because he specified that the, that, well, and maybe this was a post interview with Ariel Hawani that he did, but he specified that the UFC would not, would not, Basically, we're making a fair agreement to, to do the Khabib fight, and, and that's why the Khabib fight's not happening. So Yeah. So, I mean, is it Dana's ego? Is that what it is? It's, it's, a com it's a combination, I think, of a couple things. I think maybe he wanted a little bit more money. I bet you GSP wanted a significant amount of the pie, which we know that Dana's not going to be willing to give that up, especially knowing that, that – um, that GSP is going to probably just retire right after that fight, win or lose. He would have retired. Is he um, pissed off that GSP didn't defend the 185 title? Like no, is? I don't think he is at all. You don't think so? No. I think it's kind of like a spite thing where it's like you didn't follow what you what you agreed to originally. So. I don't think he ever planned on defending that title. I but, think. But Dana said that he Dana was mad at one point that he was supposed to, that he had committed to doing that. Yeah, maybe that, maybe that was what it was. But I don't I, – here, what I don't understand is – Dana could have had the potential. The Dana has the potential to have a, a first three division champion, and somebody is dedicated to the sport, and somebody that would that has helped your brand grow in in around the world, not just around the world, but has also held your your brand to a high standard and letting everybody let everybody know that it's that this sport should be held to a high standard. Like everyone looks at fighting as a, as a thug sport and GSP's never considered it to be a thug. He considered it to be a martial art. He considered it to be not what we see now in a lot. We have kind of started to turn towards boxing. I mean, you see things where guys are pushing and shoving at the weigh-ins. Now guys are trying to fight at the weigh-ins. I mean, DC and John Jones had done it. I mean, other guys have done it as well, but it's, it's, GSP never really got to that level of needing to do that. And he's he's held the sport to a higher standard. And I think that's what made him so marketable. Um, now, was he as marketable as, say, you know, Conor McGregor? I mean, it, no. But he also kept the sport, I think, at a level that people had tuned in. I think now it's got turned off. People are turned off by what's going on, and that's why I think viewership is less. You know, um, who know, I mean, there's only, a, I mean, I don't know. It just, <clears throat> I think that the opportunity to have the first three division champion could have been done by Dana. Um, GSP would have rode off into the sunset, possibly winning or possibly losing. But either way, no, I don't think it'll be, it'll be a long time before another organization says they had a three division champion. You know, if he was able to, to do that. Do I think he would have been able to beat Khabib? I don't think so. I think the weight cut would have been too much. I think Khabib's wrestling would have been enough to stop 
um, GSP. I think for some of the first times in a long time, we would have seen GSP on his back. Um, now, obviously, everyone's going to say, oh, well, you train with Khabib, you're biased, da 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 But I'm just simply saying we saw already a little bit with TJ Dillashaw trying to make the cut to 125, and that was only 10 pounds. GSP is was losing a significant amount of weight just to get to 155. So to think that he wouldn't be the same fighter, uh, to be that he would be the same fighter that he was at 170 or 185 is just fucking ridiculous. I don't think it would have been possible. Do I think it would have been a great opportunity for someone to to, to achieve you know, glory? Like That would have been amazing. I think it would have been amazing to see for him to even make the weight would have been one. But would his chin have held up? I mean... People have questioned GSP's chin his whole career. They've would, always would Khabib throw hands. Yeah, I mean he did it with Connor. Why wouldn't he throw with GSP? Fair enough. Yeah, I mean like everyone had just said like natural striking. I think Connor is probably better than GSP. GSP did something better than anyone's. I think has done better than anyone anyone has ever done in the sport. And that's the the evolution from striking to wrestling to submissions to grappling. That kind of that kind of transition. He did that better than anyone. His timing on the takedown was better than than um, almost anyone I've ever seen. Actually, anybody I've ever seen in the sport. Nobody's timing on that takedown was better than his. That's what made him so dominant in, in the era that he was in. His striking from kickboxing to mixing it up from punching to kicking to the takedown. I mean, he revolutionized how it should have been done in the sport. And um, I don't think people talk about that enough. Look, people are going to say that John Jones is the GOAT and or you know or DC is the GOAT or Kane is the GOAT or who, whoever else is in that list of whoever was BJ Penn was the GOAT. I mean, to me it's GSP and I don't think there's really a, I don't really think there's a significant like second close. Now, if you want to take the the talent and ability, I think Sure, you can say that John Jones is it, but also John Jones has been caught cheating. GSP has never been caught cheating. Now, there's sure people would talk about speculations with GSP cheating, you know, and that's why he left the sport for a while. And he came back and did all these. Look, even if let's just say that he was cheating, never got caught. He came back. He still came back after not fighting for three years and won the middleweight title. Then he's now out for another two years and uh, an offering to fight the lightweight, losing all that weight to get down there. Dude, the guy's trying to do something that no one's ever done. And I don't understand. I just, who knows? I think there was a little bit of ego involved, obviously, uh, with Dana White. Um, but look, when Dana's the, he's the promoter. And when you're the promoter, you you get to call the shots. And when you get to call the shots, I mean, you can put a stop to things like this. So uh, I feel like there was no, con he had no control over GSP and what he was going to do and how he was going to come about it. So he decided not to allow it to happen. Now, as far as going back to the going back to the to the lightweight title, it's unfortunate that Tony didn't take the fight. I do understand that why he didn't do it. He's doing it to save some mileage on his body. Why would I want to fight with both of these guys that are super tough, potentially take some damage, and then all of a sudden now in November, Khabib is ready to fight, and maybe I'm injured again. Maybe my knee goes out on me again. Or maybe they want to do Khabib someone else. And just, just yeah, but void the, the title? Because that's what it did with the corner thing, right? Yeah, the Khabib and someone else, though, would be Khabib and GSP. <laughs> you think that's it? I think that's it, man. He has no... After, after talking with Ali, his manager, after talking with Khabib, after talking with some of the other Russians, there is absolutely no interest in fighting Conor McGregor. None. Like, what are you going to do? Beat him faster? Like It's almost like the DC and Stipe thing. 
Like, there's no interest. Like, what are you going to do? Beat him even faster inside of one round? Are you going to beat him even faster inside of four rounds? I mean, like, and then make him tap to a choke and submission that really wasn't even submission? Like, like what are you going to do? It, it just doesn't, there's nothing there. Like, there's no interest at all. Sure, the money is there. And look, and as much as I say, like, hey, money's not really the issue, it's, they don't really care about the money. They don't care about the money. But I'm not going to lie. Money must have something to do with it, no matter how you go about it. There's got, there's money has something to do with it. It's almost like as if they're using money against the person who wants, who says money doesn't have anything against it. Like Connor makes such a big deal about the money, you know, like Floyd Mayweather, the money. They're almost saying that money has nothing to do with it to prove that like, we don't need your money. We're good without your money. We're, we can show and sell this sport without the money. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of backwards. Thinking. It is backwards, but it's only backwards because we're used to everything revolving around money. Yeah, it, it's it's a weird. But I mean, think about it. It's like me going to work and saying, "Oh, you guys, I don't, I don't need, <laughs> I don't need your money to be a good salesperson today." You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like I'm not gonna sell unless I'm getting paid, motherfucker. Yeah, but that's uh, because you need the money. Yeah, they don't but, need the money. Like, that's the thing. I, I guess for, look, up until he won the title, he was still living at home with his mom and dad. I don't know if he still does. I mean, that's maybe a conversation we have for him next time we have him on the show. Like, do you still live at home? You and your wife and your two kids still live with your mom and dad? Like, you guys still, like, that's how close of a family they are. Like, I don't know. Like, those are things that maybe have changed since. Um, it's a very cultural thing. It's a very cultural thing. And there's no knock on that. Like, yeah, yeah I mean... Being close, you, you see, you hear how, how close he is with his father. That was a goal that his father is like, hey, if you want to be considered a legacy fight, GSP is your legacy fight. And he said that on our show. His idea was to win, beat Connor, then fight GSP after. And then after you fight GSP, potentially go to 170 only if Islam was ready to make the change to become champion. So from what I understand is that Islam is about to get offered a fight that will potentially put him in the top five. Yeah. So if that fight happens, I don't know who it's going to be. From what I understand, that he's he's asking for the Kevin Lee fight. Oh, that's, is, what, that's what I saw was being yeah. speculated on. But yeah. it's I don't think I don't think that they're going to give him that fight. <clears throat> It'll yeah. be somebody else, potentially like an ally Quinta or somebody uh, who else is there. Maybe, maybe even a Barboza. I can see them. I can see them giving him Barboza. Um, so I have two questions for you. I, mm -hmm. I'll stick with GSP and Khabib, and then I'll move to the other question. So the first, my question is: Is, is it your question or is this a fan question? This is my question. Okay. Is there okay? Like I said, a fan question. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm educating the fans. Everyone should know. I want everyone to. It's listening at home. You guys should all understand. Dave is not a fan. Dave is a producer. Dave is only a fan of WWE. So the fact that he's asking a question means that I'm kind of getting him on our side now, guys. <laughs> kind of. He's he's starting to know the sport. And I'm actually, I'm actually this that's why I asked. Is this a Dave question or is this a fan question? Now he's becoming a fan. If it's a Dave question, you're becoming a fan. And I like this. <laughs> Go ahead, Dave. All right. So let me get my question out. <laughs> uh, is is there is there a possibility? Is there like a like a stretch possibility that Khabib and GSP take this fight to Russia? No. Okay. I, I don't I don't think so. Um I don't think the only reason why I say no is because I don't I would I was actually thinking the same thing. That's why I, I kinda like where your thinking's going these days. You're actually starting to become more of a uh not just a cat like not even just a casual. You weren't even a casual before. <laughs> like now you're starting to become more than a casual. I like that. Look, um 
The only reason why I say no is because the obvious knock on Russia is that you can't go there and get a fair shake. And I don't think GSP would go there and ruin his legacy and opportunity to take to sure fight Khabib, but potentially go there and lose a fight that would go on his record that that he potentially could win. And if it's a close, if it's a close decision, he's going to lose. And that would be the knock. The knock is like, why would I go there without a sanctioning body? Or even if it was a sanctioning body, a sanctioning body that I know can be trusted to give a, a fair verdict. And that's the knock on, that's the knock. Like if you look at like Maldonado who went over there and fought Fedor and then it was a very, everyone talked about it for months. Don't you think with the pull of Khabib, the Khabib's pull plus his respect for GSP and wanting to make that fight. Yeah, but you don't have control over that. Like, no, you, no, you don't. That's, it's so funny because remember, remember when like Connor was getting at Khabib about the whole uh, ties with the Chechnyan, I think president oh, yeah. or prime minister or whatever. Um, it, like like you're talking about the you're talking about gangsters dude you have no you have no say in what what they make other people do and i think when it comes down to um they just want the russian guy to win you know and that's it like khabib's not he's not gonna have you remember watch you watch rocky right drago is like trying you know he's fighting out there for himself and the russian you know consulate or the the, the president or whatever comes down and starts like threatening him like it doesn't like they they have their own rules like they have their own agenda. agenda and the same thing goes for the Americans. There's no different. Like we have our own agenda as well. But I think they try to keep the sport <coughs> as clean as possible um, as far as you know the outcomes. Now, sure, we have some bad judging. Um, you can't you can't um, you can't uh, can't. It's hard to justify stupidity. You know when judges are given and and they just wrong decisions basically like oh yeah that guy won 30 27 no he barely scrapes by maybe a victory you know whatever it was you know what i mean so it's it's hard for people to i think for gsp it'd be hard for him to go over there and the whole time he's got to be thinking am i going to get a fair shake if this goes the distance and i don't think that would happen i don't think he would put his legacy on um out there for something like that. So this is like a for sure retirement. Then. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think so. I I would like to see him come back and fight. You know, could be for sure. Um, but here's the thing: once Max and Dustin fight, the winner of that's gonna fight Khabib. You would think. I mean, we've seen the interim champion not fight for the title right away. Um, so, but you would think that would be the idea behind it all. I, I don't I don't understand why all of a sudden they just started giving out interim titles. It just it drives me crazy. So fast, so soon. <coughs> they literally um, fought in October. This is crazy. Yeah, it's nuts. So then, that's my my other question is, is what the hell is going on with this this whole situation? Like, why is Max and Poirier the people that are fighting for the interim title? Well, because Tony turned it down. It should have been Max and Tony. My honest opinion. We should have been Max at all. Yes, it should. 100% it should. When you have a guy who's as dominant as he is at 145, willing to step up and fight at 155, we never, look, we may never see Max fight at 155 again. He may get here, no, at 55. I'm saying is if he gets starched at 55, he'll go back to 45 and be the king. You know what I mean? Like, that's the thing. That's kind of like with TJ. He went down to 25, got starched. Now he's coming back up to 35. He wants to stay up there and be the king. That's, and, you know, we'll see what happens with Henry if he goes to 135. But if Max goes up to 55 and wins, which there's a good chance he can beat Dustin Poirier, 
there's a really good chance because Dustin he fights with the emotions on his sleeve. He's the guy that he reminds me a lot of uh, Paul Daly. Like just does you hit me, I'm gonna hit you back. He's just a gunslinger. Like he just wants to stand in front of you and bang. Now don't go back and watch the MVP fight because he actually fought a smart fight that fight. Um, but <coughs> you know what I mean. I I think that with Dustin Poirier. It becomes, um, he just needs to fight a smart fight. If he fights a smart fight, I think he has a good chance of beating uh, Max. But Max has a great chance. Of, I would give it a 50-50 fight between the two. Especially the longer the fight goes, I would actually give it more to Max just because of his conditioning, his punch output, um, those type of things. The power I don't think is there as much. Maybe, maybe, maybe he'll have more power at 155. Who knows? We'll see. We saw it with DC. DC obviously has more... Um, he has bigger punching power at heavyweight than he does it. But then what happens at, do, one, at 205? Let's say he goes up, he beats Poirier, he's interim champ. Does he does he wait for the Khabib fight and, yeah, because and it's, defend it's on, featherweight? Or it's only six weeks. It's only it's only a couple months. It's not he fights. When does he fight uh Poirier? That fight is let's see. May? I've, I've got the card over here. I think it's May. Uh it's two thirty two thirty six. UFC doesn't even have two thirty six on our website yet, it's so weird. Maybe it's um, so far out. No, it's April thirteenth. Okay, so April thirteenth. So April. So April. And then you have. So he fights. Every fighter wants to take about a month off to heal up, feel better, and then they'll, they'll still train after that a little bit, but they want to take some time off. And then after that time off, they get back in the gym and they start training. They ease back into it for another say three weeks. You know, maybe like another three weeks to a month. They ease into it. They go in and they have fun. Then they start. Then they're ready to go ahead and say, "Look, let's start looking at opponents." That puts him right around June, July, August, September, October, November. That's four months, five months. So that gives him time for let's figure two month training camp for Khabib. Khabib's going to be in Ramadan, coming out of Ramadan, ready for, for basically getting ready for for his suspension to be over. He'll be training. They'll be ready to fight sometime late October, early November. From what I understand, they're going to fight before uh, Thanksgiving. So that kind of makes sense. But the, when was the last time Max defended featherweight? Let's let's take Ortega. A oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah. But but that felt like that ages was ago? A, that was that was I believe that was around October, wasn't it? Was it on the same October, card? November, December? No, I think it was this. It was later than that. Let's see. It was, was uh, it? December December eighth. Yeah, yeah, that was just recently. So then he's not defending featherweight until <laughs> December this year. Well, maybe that what they'll do is they'll bring an interim title at that weight. Oh then. my god, man! This is but you bring an interim. But look, you'd rather have an interim title there, and give somebody for for uh, Khabib to fight. The more marketable weight class and the more money weight class is the lightweight division. Like it's more marketable to have Max and Khabib fight than it is for Max to go back down and fight somebody at one forty five. Unless it's Connor. Connor's not making fifty five again or forty five again. Yeah, I don't think I don't even think it's in, even in his interest to go there. <laughs> but do, but can they do a situation maybe where Dillashaw goes up and fights Max in the meantime, like while Max well, waits for Khabib? Uh, Dillashaw's got his own issues at thirty-five. He needs to figure out what's going on um, with Henry Cejudo, and he needs to figure out what's going on with his own weight class. Like he's got his own, you know, <clears throat> his Mar Ma Marlon Marais is ready to fight him. Also, he's ready to go right now. So. That's another issue. Henry Cejudo is, that's another issue. He's got two guys that are knocking on his door and he's just coming off a, a nasty loss. So. Just feel like, because, 
And then we got the interim title, apparently Gaslam and Adesanya for the middleweight t- interim title. Yeah. There, who's Pro. the champion there? It's Robert oh. Whitaker. Remember, he just fell off the. Yeah, he just got hurt. Yeah. I mean, maybe he's going to be out for a while. That's why they decided to do the interim title. If he tore his knee and he's out for, for uh, you know, o- over a year, then I can understand why they're doing it. I mean, Bellator should be marketing right now as. The company that crowns real champions and not <laughs> and not interim champs. I'm telling you. I mean, look, we all. I, I look. Unless your name is Conor McGregor, unless your name is GSP, unless your name. I, I don't even know who else I could put a stamp on. Floyd Mayweather, like, they're the only people that I know that don't need to fight for titles and they can still sell pay per views. That's it. We, I mean, that's that's all. Like the rest of them, I mean, like everyone's still kind of earning their way through. And this is a, this is honestly, this is the best time for Nate and Nick to come in and say that they want their money, man. Because, but you already heard, but you heard Dana last week. Hey, we're gonna see Nate do Nate, and we see Nate in the cage soon. And then he looks to Dana. Uh, Megan Olivia looks to Dana, and he goes, "No." Yeah, but it's because he's so hard to work with. Like, just come in and say to Dana, "What's the best price you can give me?" And then, like, look, that's that's something you got to talk to your boys for, man. Your boy Nate and your boy Nick, you got to hit him up. Be like, "Yo, what's up?" I mean, look, there's no no one knows why. No one knows why they're doing what they're doing. You know, such a waste, man. It is. I feel like it's a waste, especially in their prime years. You know, Nick is Nick is older, but. <coughs> All right, so let's get to Max and Dustin. Uh, I mean, Max and Dustin. I mean, we'll talk about the fight. Um, I really, to be honest, it's a it's a tough fight. It's a tough fight for both of them. I think that for me, the punch output favors Max Holloway. the The power I think will probably potentially potentially favor Dustin Poirier. The size is about equal. They're both pretty big guys. They both probably walk around 190. Dustin may be a little bit bigger in frame-wise, but I think they're both about the same height. How you think Max it? walks around 190? Yes. Was, yes. The fuck, man? No, I talked to DC, man. DC's like, yeah. I mean, every time I see him, he looks pretty big. Um, it's uh, Max, I mean, what's it called? DC said he walks around about 88 to 190. I'm like, dude, that's why he has such a hard time making weight. He's got to have... Max is two inches taller. Max is two inches taller. Dustin's a big guy, man. So, I mean, for me, I, I'm excited to see the fight because, look, 20 and 3, 24 and 5, I think Dustin had already beat Max earlier in his career. But like Dustin said, out of respect, completely out of respect, Dustin says, um, you know, they're going to run it back. But you got to remember, we were they were kids when they fought the first time. I think the first time they fought, they were both like in their early twenties. You know, I mean, I think they're still they're, they're both young, man. When he beat Max, right? Yeah, he beat Max. And that was two thousand twelve. So that was how long ago was that? Seven years ago. So Ma- yeah. uh, he was twenty three and Max was twenty. Yeah, that's crazy, right? Yeah, it's they're babies. They were babies then. I mean, think about twenty years old. Twenty years old in the UFC, man. Yeah. That's crazy. So, all that being said, I think um, all that being said, I think I think we're in for a great fight. <coughs> the dust is gonna settle after this fight. The winner of this is gonna fight probably Khabib. Tony's gonna probably continue to heal. Um, I think he realizes he only has one shot. The, 
people are gonna people are gonna knock on Tony for this. I'm actually gonna probably pat him on the back because I come from this. I come from this uh, this time of my career. I understand. I think the one the fight the the fighter in me came out. The fighter in me came out when I decided to say, "Hey, I wanted to fight." I didn't want to fight, but I said that I would fight after I was get, promised a, a title shot against Pettis after beating Nate. And then they came back and offered me, and then after Pettis had fallen off, they came back and offered me no-name guys. And that's kind of what they're doing to Tony right now. Tony doesn't move the needle. Tony's entertaining, but Tony doesn't move the needle. But they offered me they offered me guys that weren't even ranked in the top 10, and I was like, no, I'm good. No, thank you. I don't need the money. I don't need to stay busy. I'm good. <coughs> But then I said, and then eventually after they were like, they got pissed off at me. I was like, you know what? I'm usually a company guy. I was I was always that way with Coker. I was that way with the UFC the first time around. I was that way with Pride. I was that way with Dream. Whatever it was, I was always that way. So what happened was I decided, I said, look, you give me somebody in the top five, I'll fight them. Well, the only person they came back with was Benson. And I said, what better person to fight? So I fought Ben. Tony right now is doing, I think, a smart thing. Obviously, everyone knows the results. When I fought Ben, I lost a split decision. That's what happens in the sport, and it cost me a title shot. Never got the opportunity to fight for the UFC title. Tony, being in this position, has been the interim champion, hasn't lost in, what, 11 or 12 fights, maybe even more? It's fucking something. Two, four, six, eight, 10, 11. 11 fights. Dude, he's had some battles. Go. Let me see the battles here. Look at it. So I'll tell you the... Um, Lando Venata fight was fucking insane. If you haven't seen that fight, go back and watch it. The, uh, what's it called? The Barboza fight, fucking insane. Go back and watch that one. The, um, what's the other one? Kevin Lee, this is a good fight. I mean, Tony got, got you know, he was basically in a lot of trouble in the first in the first round. But then he came back and obviously dominated. The Anthony Pettis fight definitely goes down in history as, to me, one of the best fights to watch um, that I've ever seen entertaining both of them look like they were having fun both of them have mutual respect for each other great fight i love watching that fight i would watch it 10 times over every time i think that he's doing a smart i think he's doing a smart thing man he's doing a, a very smart thing by waiting for his opportunity and the dust to settle now he's got time to to, to make sure that he's healthy don't go don't rush into anything just don't get hurt between now and then and be ready to fight. And I think that's what he's going to do. If he takes it takes it slow, day by day, I think he'll be fine. I think it's a good opportunity for him to um, wait for Max and uh, Poye to finish their battle. See what happens with Khabib. Who knows? Maybe Khabib needs to get his weight down. Maybe Khabib needs more time after November. Maybe Khabib doesn't make weight. Maybe something goes on and Tony needs to step in. There's so much stuff that can happen. We can sit here and, and make assumptions all day long and play the guessing game. But we have seen in the lightweight division, it's been a clusterfuck at times. From excuse me, from Khabib getting hurt or not making weight to Tony getting hurt and not being able to get to the fight to now this situation where we're at. Connor coming back and Khabib fighting Connor. Like there's been such it's been it's been a big been a kind of a shit show. But I think this is a good opportunity for everything to kind of get settled in and Tony is going to, I think Tony's doing a smart thing by waiting patiently for his opportunity to fight the, the clear cut champion. I think at his age, 
the UFC is not going to do him any favors given that he's not a big needle mover. And I'm not, look, I'm not saying that I'm not a fan of his. Okay. We fought, obviously, um, you know, I have every reason to not like him, but the truth be told, dude, he's fucking fun to watch fight from as a fighter. Now, as a fan, I can see why people probably don't like him. You know, um, he's just not, he's, he's, I mean, you can say what you want. He's not really good looking, you know, um, but he fight, he fights fucking entertaining. His interviews come off as like really bad, but he's, he's fucking, he's a great fighter. He's a good fighter. And, um, I think he's doing, the UFC is not going to do him any favors. So he's doing a smart thing here by waiting it out and fighting the winner of whoever wins maybe the interim title or fighting the winner of whoever, uh, fights Khabib in November. I think it's smart by, on his half. What else? Um, so I don't, yeah, I don't know if you want to touch on the Dylan Dennis thing. It's just basically like conclusion to the whole situation in the brawl. He nah. got, he got, a, he got a fine and suspension. I wonder, is the suspension gonna stop him from competing in Bellator? Yeah, it would have to. How long is the suspension for? So, um, in the end, received a seventy-five hundred dollar fine and a seven seven month suspension. Yeah, but it started and went to October. Yeah, it's October sixth, so we're pretty much done. He's ready to fight. Yeah, you're right. Oh well. Yeah, okay. and he didn't pay his own fine. I mean, I'm. <laughs> Shit, you think Connor paid it? I would is imagine. <laughs> so, um, <coughs> yeah, the whole this whole this whole. <coughs> This whole thing with with um, Dana not doing the, the GSP fight, I think it's very spiteful, and it's it's really just like, it's childish. It's, it's childish. But look, man. no one's ever accused Dana of doing like not being a child at times. Yeah, but dude, this is like it just doesn't make sense that he wouldn't he wouldn't try and make. It doesn't this make sense happen. to you. To him, it does because he doesn't want to. Here's the thing: you're gonna let a guy fight. For, you're you're just complaining about interim titles. Now you're gonna let a guy fight who potentially can win it, and then all of a sudden retire. Don't make it for the title. Can people walk away from the 155 division for this fight? No, I don't know. Then I don't know what to tell you. Maybe that's not what he wants. He doesn't want his champion to walk away. But I'm saying, you know, as 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 a promoter, as a president, Dana White, you can make money. Maybe. You can make money out of the 155 title easily, and make money out of the GSP Khabib fight. All right, everyone, listen to this real quick. For once, for one, and I'm not saying this is right, but I want everyone to understand this, okay? Just so you understand, t look into the camera, look at me, look at this whole, or listen to me now, okay? For once, listening to Dave talk, I'm going to actually side with Dana White. <laughs> okay, look, Dana White, I, look, right now, Dana is, to me, honestly, he's looking out for the best thing in this promotion. The best thing in this promotion, I would have loved to have seen this fight. This is the fight that I wanted to see. This is a fight I think everybody would have loved to have seen. The, and I don't know why he didn't do it. Maybe he did it just strictly out of ego. Uh, he just doesn't want it to happen. But I also look at it in a bunch of different ways is that he's he's trying to maybe try to get his his whole promotion together right now. He's trying to get a clear-cut champion, trying to get these guys to just stop. He, they created something with these money fights, and now fighters are, and now fighters are uh, <coughs> wanting all the money fights. And it's causing controversy uh, among the among the ranks, and so I think I'm gonna. Dana understands that. May, look, I mean, not Dana, but I'm saying overall. Let me let me get clear this back all up. What I'm saying is that 
GSP, maybe there's something that GSP was asking for that we don't understand. Maybe he wanted the fight at 165. We don't know. Was that even talked about? Was the fight going to be at 55 or was it going to be at 65? Dana maybe didn't want to do the fight at 65 because he didn't want to open the door for, oh, now are we having a 65-pound title? Maybe that's what the whole deal was. Maybe GSP outpriced himself. I think Dana I think Dana um, heard you talking about 65 and he doesn't want to do 65 <laughs> to spite you. I would, like to, I would like to say that, but we, <laughs> we know that's probably not true. I mean, when Joe Rogan's talking about Josh Thompson speculating on a new division, uh, you know, you have to know that, that Dana's listening. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I'm just, I'm just fucking around. No, but, I know. But, you know, with some sincerity as well. Yeah, I mean, look, it's... Uh, who, who, we, we just don't know the stipulations in which, like, GSP was asking for. He could have he wanted a lot more. He could have wanted... Um, he could have wanted a lot. We don't know what he wanted. He, you know, he could have wanted a lot more money. He could have wanted it to be in Canada. He could have maybe wanted it to be in Las Vegas, and maybe Khabib didn't want it, doesn't want to fight in Vegas. No one knows. Like, there's there's probably a lot of little things that were that were trying to be pushed into the contract that they just couldn't come to terms on. And and everyone and and, and the history has shown, like, I think that they've that the UFC's kind of always had a little bit of an issue dealing with. Uh, GSP's management. Um, they have the same kind of issues dealing with Kane Velasquez's management. That's why Kane. Some of the reason why Kane was out a whole other year after the fact that he was he was ready to come back. Um, th- there's a lot of little things. So th- we we I don't want to speculate that Dana's not just obviously the bad guy in this situation. There's a lot of reasons that we just don't know. And so until I think we, the the underlying issues all come out, we shouldn't really just throw it all in Dana's lap and say that it's his fault. Um, sure, they probably could have made it happen. But if GSP said, hey, I want to make it at 165 and Dana doesn't want to have to deal with the answers of like, is there now a 165-pound title? No. I can understand probably why he didn't want to do that. All I've heard is that they are going to eventually do the 165 pounds. But who knows? Maybe because I brought it up so many times, it's maybe it's not happening. <laughs> you know, when you got Rogan talking about it as well, I mean, but from what I understand, I'm hearing that it's, it's on hold for right now. I don't know if because they're trying to get rid of the – 125 pound weight class or what the deal is but they're trying to figure it all out <clears throat> so we'll see we'll see what happens but i'm not about to put it all onto dana's lap and say that it's all his fault um and this and not being able to put this whole thing together i will of course you will because you're you're right now you're you're you went from not being a casual fan to a casual fan but you're still you're lingering in that casual fan area i want to try to get you out of that casual fan area okay <laughs> all right speaking of casual fans you want to hit some questions? Yeah, let's hit some. Let's hit some questions. All right, cool. Should we just? You touched on a lot of the Tony, Khabib, Max, Poirier. Yeah. So we'll just dodge those questions since you've kind of touched on it all. Yeah. Okay. Um, can you explain? This is from Challen Bembry. I don't know if I said that properly, but there, there you go. Uh, can you explain or go into a bit of detail uh, your experiences, good or bad, with Strike Force versus the UFC? I'm interested. I also understand if it's a long-winded question and you can't answer it here. Um, okay, let me let me give you the differences or the benefits of either one. I'm trying to figure that out. So he just said your experience is good or bad. So maybe okay. maybe just like a comparison. So let me give you my experiences with the UFC. Okay, my experiences with the UFC the first time 
were amazing. Um, the fight game was different at the time. The promotion was UFC promotion was different at the time. The fighters were completely different at the time. The promoter was different at the time. Everything at that time was raw about the sport. Um, time passed, and I went to Pride, and I went to Strike Force, and and then um, came back to the UFC later on, and it was a completely different promotion. And it obviously had grown to be very successful, and things had changed. The business had changed. The promoter had changed. The matchmaking had changed. The um, everything had changed. And I'm not saying that it was bad. What I'm saying though is it wasn't for me. Even when I even even after I had beaten Nate, it still wasn't for me. I just it never felt like home. Um, like it did the first time around. The first time around, I was I was really upset and disturbed at the fact that like I felt like we had something we could have potentially built at 155 pounds um back then in 2003, 2004. The problem is is that the promotion itself was hemorrhaging money. So it wasn't just the weight class that they're going through exactly what the 125 pound division is going through now is that it just, they couldn't sell 155s at the time, even though to me it was one of the more entertaining weight class, but I was biased because I was in that weight class, but we just, they couldn't sell it. People want to see the big guys, the heavier, the heavyweight guys. It was a relatively new sport. That back then, that was the raw nature of fighting at that time. And that, that was, that was, there was something to be said. If you were in the UFC back then, it was something special. It changed when I went back in 2012, 2013, whenever it was, um, when Strike Force had gotten bought out. It, it was different. The matchmaking was different. The promoter was different. The promotion was different. And let me give you a reason. Let me, let me give you a little something to give you a little tidbit on. I'm in the back weighing in getting ready to weigh in against Nate Diaz. And I'm sitting, I'm sitting against the wall. Cause they said all the fighters line up against the wall. Well, Nate, um, decides to go and sit down on, a, on like one of these like camera boxes. They're like these big metal boxes that they ship cameras and stuff in, right? Like equipment in that are basically indestructible. I've seen them. Don't yeah. Them. They're huge. Right. Yeah. And WWE uses them. Sure. I'm sure you know that. <laughs> Anyways. Um, they like could fall out of a fucking airplane from 35,000 feet in the air and fucking still be okay. And Nate Diaz is sitting on him and fucking intern walks back because Nate didn't want to sit next to me or stand near me because we're in line getting ready to go weigh in. <clears throat> and he goes over there and sits down over there and the fucking intern comes over and she's like, hey, you guys can't be over there. You Get off there. You could like you could break something. Get the fuck out of here. Dude, him sitting down on these boxes is not going to fucking break anything. What did Nate do? He just was like, what are you talking? Like, he was like more like, what the fuck are you talking about? We need you in line because we're getting ready to weigh in. Let's go. Let's go. We got to make sure this is all. Get in line. Get in line. And everyone, every intern's excuse or every intern's number one go-to line is, I'm going to tell Dana. Like Dana wants us all in line. Dana's ready for this. Dana's ready for that. And, and you've got these fighters like fucking walking on eggshells and this was this was my first fight in back in the ufc you know on ufc on fox 7 and i'm like thinking to myself this is not what it was like when i left and and it, it's changed and i and i and at that moment on when i realized and i knew that nate was a fucking star like you can't sit there and tell me that nick diaz and nate diaz aren't fucking stars and at the time i knew he was a star 
You know, I'd seen all, the way he came up fighting in, in the UFC. He fought in Strike Force before. I remember him fighting in Strike Force. Then he fought in the UFC. He fought in the Real Ultimate Fighter. He, you know, he he won the Ultimate. He fought on all these, these fucking shows, and yet amazing performances just fought Benson Henderson for the title you're not going to tell me he's not a fucking star and these guys are treating him like that and these interns don't know who the fuck I am so how the fuck do you think they're going to treat me it's and once that happened I was like this is not for me this place is not for me and I knew that I already knew that I was going to leave I already knew I was going to leave but if it's your first fight how do you know you're going to leave like in your head, I mean... I already knew I was going to leave. I knew I didn't want to be there. I knew that I had a four-fight deal, and I knew I was going to fight my four fights, and I knew I was going to get out. Was the four-fight deal forced because of the strike force buyout? No, what they did was... What they did was I gave it an opportunity and a chance. Mm. What is... I had I had a deal already in place, but what they did was they said, hey, we want to re-sign you, and we're going to up your pay. Mm. And I was like, oh, well, all right. Fuck it. <laughs> I'll stay. So I was like, why, why would I not? So they re-signed me, and so what Coker did and just to touch on what strike force did and what now bellator does is they heavy load you on show money so if they know that you're a fighter that puts in the work you're the fighter that goes out there and fucking throws down he has no and you're a fighter that doesn't make excuses you always show up on weight you always are ready to fight you're never complain you're someone that doesn't give him a hard time in the fucking back or you're not a princess or a diva in the back if you're not that person then he's like, you know what? I'm going to heavy load you on the show money. If you go out there and fight your ass off, then I'll give you a bonus, finishing bonus or a win bonus, that type of thing. But that's something that the UFC didn't normally do. But when they brought me over from Strikeforce, they had heavy loaded me like Strikeforce had done. And they increased, they kept me the same on my heavy load, but then they increased my actual win bonus. So they increased my win bonus instead of just giving me like a finishing bonus. They gave me a win bonus and they increased it. So that was great. Loved it. Great. And that was, that was part of the deal. But so I gave it the opportunity and the chance. But once that happened in the back with Nate Diaz, I already knew that I wasn't going to stay. There was never, a, there was never, there was never um, a moment where I knew I was going to, I never said like, Hey, I'm going to stay. Do you think that affected your next three performances? No. No, I think what affected no because what actually affected my it didn't even affect my next my next performance. What affected my next performance was the fact that I broke my thumb and twist and tore some ligaments in my wrist when I fought Ben. Mm. I think with if had that not happened in the first round, which I still look back at the fight and have no idea how that happened, I would actually <clears throat> I would have been fighting for the title. I think had I been a hundred percent good throughout that fight the whole time i just it was a distraction to me during the fight and i just didn't perform like i should have if you noticed after that first round i wasn't the same fighter the whole fight i could have got better i won the second round should have won the third lost the third and then it just trickled away from me from there i should have won the fifth didn't win the fifth like one judge had me winning the fifth one judge had me losing the fifth I should have won the fifth. Dominantly, I should have won the fifth. There's no reason for me not to. I knew that I had won the first two rounds and my thumb was fucked up. After the first round, I could, I could fold my thumb all the way back to my wrist. Yeah. Like, that's how everything was torn. I actually I, watched that recently. You hear Joe saying, Josh Thompson just said he broke his thumb or something like that. And then, yeah. And then, uh, I think that was the second round. It was or the first. The, the, yeah, it was the first. first. It happened in the first round. Yeah, because I told Bob, I told Crazy Bob that my, my thumb was broken. He's like, who the fuck cares? Like, we're not, you want to give up now? 
like we're here this is it dude and and this is this is the reason and let me give you guys a for instance this is the reason why i look back at what tony ferguson's doing right now and i think he's doing a smart decision he's making a smart decision and i 100 percent agree with him because the ufc will not do him any favors if he loses a fight they will not give him a title shot even if he look at how many times he's rattled off what 11 wins now or 12 wins 11 wins, I think, is what you said. Yeah, 11 wins. 11 wins. And he's barely getting now like an interim title shot. or He's not going to happen, dude. They're not going to give it to him again. So he's 35 years old. They're done with him. He doesn't. You, you think so for yes. real? Yes. No. I just think he's getting an, I think he'll get another one. No. No, I think he will. But only if he, if he was to lose, he wouldn't get one. Oh, After okay, that, he'd okay. be done. He's making a smart decision. There's no reason for him to take more, more damage. Against tough guys like Dustin Poirier or fucking or Max Holloway or anybody else that's in that fucking top three or four, there's no reason for him to. So, um, the positives of Strike Force. Look, I I built a relationship with Scott Coker. My my relationship with Scott Coker was it was simple, and it's the same for every fighter. I sign you to a contract. This is your contract. Don't come back to me asking for more money. You agreed to this. I heavy loaded you on the show money because I, sh I you've shown that you show up and you fight. You don't give me any headaches and you do good. You do media that speaks positive of my promotion. Every fighter, take note. Do that. If you look, if you go back and you listen to me when I talk about the UFC, greatest promotion I ever fight. When I was with Strike Force, greatest promotion I ever fought in. I'm with Bellator now. To me, I feel like we're building something great. And the reason why I say that is because I feel like the signing with Sky TV, the signing with all these other like Channel Five, like we're doing, they're doing big things. And let me just tell you, it's not even close to being done. And I, I know all these little things that I would love to share with you guys, but you guys are going to see here shortly. It's going to be, it's not going to be just one. It's going to be worldwide here soon. Okay, and it's already across the world now. But I'm telling you right now, they're making huge headways on making Bellator a worldwide brand name. So while we're on this topic of um, you know, Strike Force versus UFC or Bellator now versus UFC since it's the same management. Um, uh, is is Scott being smarter than Dana White by making good relationships with like Risen, for example? You know, like where he's doing the fighter trades, and is he being smart well, you, by? You, go ahead. No, that that was really my well, question. Well, you can like, say that Dana's being smart though too. He's got a good relationship with one. And one now is moving into other, you know, you could say the same thing. Yeah, I think, I didn't think about it. look, the last thing you're going to do is try to criticize. Look, there's, there's the two best. It's so funny that we talk about this. <coughs> I was just driving down. I went down to a, a, a show down in Fresno <clears throat> just recently. And, um, and I want people to understand the two best promoters in the game are Dana White and Scott Coker. Very different though. Extremely different on how they handle and go about their business. But the end result is that they have successful promotions. Look, Scott Coker took a fucking desolate promotion that was literally Viacom said, look, if you do not fucking take this promotion, we are going to shut it down and throw it away. But we spent millions and millions of dollars on this. We would like to keep it going. Can you change it around? We'll give you some time. Fuck it. Let's give it a try. They even talked about rebranding it just for Scott if he wanted. And he said, no, let's stick with what you have. But we'll rebrand the actual logo and name, which is what they did. Here we are three and a half, four years later. And fucking they are, in, they, they are a money-making promotion. They are making money. They had never made money before. 
They are now making money. Now with the signing of the zone, now with the signing with Sky TV, channel uh, local news or local networks in the UK, and I can tell you now this is just the beginning. And you've got top fighters jumping from you've, the US. You've got that's, yeah, that's crazy. People were talking about that. Like, I like to brag about like I like to always. I like to always jump on what Bellator's doing because I work for them. Of course I'm going to do that, you guys. Don't be stupid. Okay? But I'm also going to say that, look, until you have dealt with fucking low-level scumbag promoters, you guys have no idea how fucking great it is to work with guys like Dana White and Scott Coker. There is some scummy fucking guys out there just taking advantage of these fucking fighters. These fighters in the UFC and the, these fighters in Bellator... They're getting fucking taken care of. They are getting taken care of. Now, should should they all be getting paid more? Of course. But the, mo the money is not there either. You guys want to talk about boxing. But, dude, there's fucking one good show a year. Maybe two good shows, two good fights a year. And all the guys on the undercard are getting paid decent, but they're not getting paid great. And there's only like three or four guys on the undercard that are getting paid. Not fucking 15. You know, like there's... 35 fighters or 36 fighters on a fucking fight card in MMA. They don't have that in boxing. There's not 35 the guys fighting on a boxing undercard. You know, you're getting you're getting your money's worth when you watch an MMA show, whether it be UFC or or Bellator. This is the inside shit you guys should understand. These two promoters are the fucking best in the game. There's there's nobody else, man. These two are the best. And they're the best to fucking work for. These are the best guys to be to be around. And here's the thing. And the little side note. I want to make sure you guys understand this. These guys don't hate each other. They fucking respect each other. Have you ever heard Scott and Dana talk shit about each other? No. Nope. Exactly. <laughs> These guys don't hate each other. There's not There's not like an ill will. Sure. It's really. It comes down to. Competition. It's a competition to them. No different than the two guys stepping in the cage. They just fucking. They're trying to outdo each other. Like a fucking chess match. These guys are, they're, they're fucking brilliant. I pat Scott on the back a lot more because I worked for Dana. I worked for Scott. I've had a lot more success under Scott. So, of course, I'm going to pat the guy on the back who's giving me more success. <laughs> it's just, it's the way you do things, right? I'm like, hey, I've done better over here. This is what you're going to do. Dana literally stripped from you what Scott's giving you, right? Yeah, look, I, look, there's... I've had conversations and talks all the time, and people, people have hit me up all the time. They've asked... Why does Dan? Why does Dana White not like you? And I have no idea, man. And I I do know why, but I I'm not gonna sit here and tell you why. Um, look, dude, it's just not. I was supposed to be given a, a shot at the title back in 2004, you know, with against Eves Edwards, and that's and I don't want to I don't want to say that's why I lost that fight, but I went out there with the with an attitude of I didn't care, you know, like we knew that the division was done, we knew we were the last lightweight fight to ever fight. Um, you know, after that, and I just didn't care. We knew that after that, the promotion was gone. They had already asked me if I wanted to go to 170 and fight, and I said no. Then they basically said, after this fight, we're releasing you. Like, were you're done. Like, the division's gone. Were you just kind of showboating a little yes, bit? Yes, not, not a little to... bit, a lot. I was, like, waving but, to Jens Pulver in the crowd and Matt Hughes, giving them, winking them. I was winking to them. I mean, it was... Were you doing that to, to kind of make it exciting in the hopes that yeah. it would be an exciting fight and people would want to tune yeah. in more? yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. I was trying to do something to make to bring attention to the, and I did. I got knocked out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, it ends up being one of the greatest knockouts in in uh, 
in UFC history, which is very unfortunate on my half. Yeah. But I remember the day, um, the day, because I remember this being like a talking point that I had with, with Mike, who I was working with back in the day. The day that you that you debuted in Del- Bellator, Dana White posted the clip of yeah. you getting knocked out by Eve Edwards. Yeah, I don't doubt it, man. I don't doubt it. That, but that's the thing. Like here, there was already talking conversation. I mean, even my own management was asking, like, why does he not like me? I mean, there's people know, like. If you guys have questions, ask. Why don't you guys go out there and hit up Chuck Liddell? Ask Chuck Liddell why he doesn't like me. You know, ask ask other guys that know um, why he doesn't like Matt Hughes. He knows why he doesn't like me. You know, there's what, there's what, a Dominic Dana Cruz. White? Dominic Cruz knows why he doesn't like me. There's there's guys that don't like Dana doesn't like me, and I'm okay with that. Um, but look, I also in the same breath when people say like, and I know why he doesn't like me. The thing is, is that I'm I'm okay. I'm okay with that. And I'm okay. Everything works out for a reason. I'm happy with where I'm at. Um, but all of that being said, knowing that he doesn't like me, you guys need to understand that I owe my career to him. I think about it all the time. And um, and uh, I respect Dana a lot when it comes to the things that he's done for me in my career. Now, I feel like there was times that he could have catapulted me into fighting for the title when I could have. And I felt like I earned those opportunities. And it wasn't... It wasn't he, he kept that from me. But... I would have never had a successful career or been where I am today had he not signed me, um, you know, the very first time and given me an opportunity to fight in the UFC. So that to me meant a lot. And I still always to this day, I will always to this day uh, be thankful to Dana White for that opportunity. Um, you know, I just I chose after that opportunity and realizing what happened and that he didn't he didn't didn't care for me for yeah, some reason. Interest. Yeah. for Yeah. Yeah. Other interests and why. And but. I just I went with someone who I knew wanted to build me. I knew with I knew that was interested in building not just me but also the other fighters that were working for him. You know, um, Scott Coker enjoyed building my career as well as Gilbert Melendez. You could have two good stars in one promotion, and look, whichever one won is the one. You know, you you kept you kept trying to build both of them back up, and uh, he knew that. Look, if you watch, if if we were to fight, if we were to fight five times or ten times. 10 times out of 10 times, those fights were probably the most exciting fights on the fucking card. You know, so we had we had the most exciting fights probably ever in Strike Force history. I can't think of, I mean, besides the one round between Paul Daly and Nick Diaz, that to me was probably the most exciting first round, one round fight I've ever seen in my life. Um, but still, great fight. Um, I think overall that when people look at how I talk about Dana, like I have a lot of, there's so much behind the scenes that people don't see. And I would like just to let everyone know that I do respect him. I do. I do appreciate everything that he, how he started my career and how I was given the opportunity by him because I would like to remind people that Joe Silva did not want to sign me. Joe Silva did not really care for me. Thought I wasn't ready for the UFC. And then I went into the UFC and had two good, uh, two good fights and was supposed to be fighting for the title, that third fight against Eves Edwards. And they had said that basically they, they were hemorrhaging money. They just couldn't keep the promotion alive or not the promotion, but the, the weight class alive at the, at the time. So they were going to have to get rid of it. And I just did not want to fight. I did not want to fight at one one seventy against guys like Matt Hughes. Get the fuck out of here. You're out of your fucking mind. Even to this day when I had, you know, I'm good friends with Matt now. And even to this day, fucking, when I had seen Matt uh, before his accident in Hawaii and stuff, that guy, every time he'd grab me, I was like, God, this is horrible. God, there's no way. I'm, I'm still fighting, and this guy's not, and he's fucking strong as an ox. Just throw me around like a fucking rag dog. Can you imagine when he was, like, in his prime trying to fight that guy? Get the fuck out of here. No fucking way. 
Anyways, all that being said, not a chance, man. There's no way I would have wanted to fight him. What else? More questions? Yeah. Hey, real quick, just check your phone real quick. Okay. Um. So next question is, how do the Bellator welterweight skill level in Bellator, particularly the tournament, stack up against the welterweights in UFC? I day wait. I day wait, but see, but what? I day wait and see, but oh, I think you mean say. I say wait and see, but it's. I think the UFC fighters level far surpass the UFC. I think he what he means is the UFC fighters are better than Bellator, and that's from Darcy Coburn. Okay, so look, um, look, let's let's be. <clears throat> I'm gonna be. Uh, let's let's be real. Let's be a hundred percent truthful with each other. Okay without being biased at all the ufc is the number one promotion in the world there's no doubt about that okay there's you can't deny that okay but bellator is making a gain okay and they're profitable now they're making they've been profitable for a little while now okay they're doing things that other that ufc has not tried to do yet okay these um they're they're making gains on them while the ufc is having problems with their champions Bellator is locking down um <coughs> Bellator is locking down everything that they're doing. <clears throat> they're locking down their heavyweight champion. They're locking down their uh 205 champion, their 85 champion, their 70 pound. They're they're getting their weight classes their weight classes figured out, their champions figured out, and their their rankings figured out. They're doing all of this with tournament style stuff. So their their cards are based around the tournaments right now to make sure they understand who their ranking systems are and everyone knows who their top guys are. They're doing a great job with that. Right now, if you look at UFC, the problem that they're having is it's a clusterfuck everywhere you go because everyone wants the money fight. And that's the issue. The concern is is that no one knows who's number one, who's number two, and the money fight thing is jumping people, and now you're ending up with guys like Tony who don't want to fight for the interim title because they've already had it before, and it's fucking up the promotion. And that they're slowly, their numbers are showing that people are just not tuning in to watch fights anymore. So the fact that they're having so many fights a year, and it's becoming an issue, it's ruining what they're building, what they should be building. So do I think that, the UFC has all the better fighters? No. I don't think that they do. I think that if you put I think that if you put some of the guys mixed in with each other, you have a good chance that Bellator has guys that can beat the UFC guys 100%. Now, look, everyone styles make matchups, man. If you want to take champion for champion, you know, it's going to be a tough fight. They're going to but here's the thing. The one thing that I can tell you is this. Scott Coker has always been open for it. We just sent um, Darian Caldwell over to Ryzen to fight over there. He fought over there, came up short. Now their champion's going to come over and fight um, Darian Caldwell in a cage, which may make a difference, which may not make a difference. Who knows? But you cannot say that that Scott Coker's not open to that. So if you guys want to see these things, maybe you should look at the UFC and say, hey, let's see exactly who the best is in the promotion. Because I do know that... He's always been open to this. And if you have any if you have any doubts whatsoever, go back to the Strike Force days when he sent when when we did a deal when I got sent over to Dream to fight against Kawajiri. When <coughs> when um Aoki came over to uh Strike Force and fought Gilbert Melendez 
for uh, for the title there. There, there's always been opportunities that that Scott Coker is open to, and the fact that he's been willing to do that shows that he's still willing to do that now. And he continues to say that he's posted a couple times that someone mentioned trades. He's willing to trade his fighters as well. If there's somebody you guys are having a hard time with, the UFC's having a hard time with someone, he's already made it obvious that he's willing to go ahead and he's open to hearing suggestions on trading somebody. I do know that there was a lot of talk and conversation about there was potential of somebody like Kane being traded either to Bellator or to 1FC. I don't think he would have went to 1. Everyone there is, you know, 5-2. So, um, you know, and maybe 140 pounds. So it would have been, I would have liked to have seen him come over and fight, you know, um, in, in Bellator. But um, look, it, I can sit here and say, but we will never know until these guys start cross-promoting and they, they start fighting each other. But I, I think that you guys, you have to remember that not all the best fighters are in the UFC because if that was the case, then how come all of their champions at some point in time are from Strike Force? Yeah, you have to remember that. Okay, and then not only that, but then Eddie Alvarez didn't come from, he came from Bellator. He also came from Elite XC. He also came from other promotions. Okay, so you don't always have all the best fighters in one organization. You would like to think that, but they're not there. <coughs> that's without being that's without being biased. Let's be 100% honest with each other. Not all the best fighters are in the UFC. Not at all. Okay, Ben Askren wasn't there for the longest time. So you cannot say these things. You cannot openly say them. And it'd be true. It doesn't, just because you say it over and over, oh, they're the best, this is the best organization. They're fine. They're the biggest organization. But that doesn't mean that they have all the best fighters. Okay, so you have to remember that. What's next? And do you think Bellator needs to beef up their lightweight division? It's ridiculously thin. That is from Lee the Flea. <clears throat> do they need to beef up their lightweight division? Light heavyweight. Oh, light heavyweight? Yeah, give it time, guys. I mean, look, we are only in three and a half years of Scott taking over. The, the, promotion is doing well um <clears throat> that being said there still needs to be work to be done you know it takes time i mean strike force hadn't didn't start building like luke rockhold and dc and we were six years into it i mean almost seven years into it or something like that by the time you know they got they got bought out but it was like they were six years into it i mean like tyrone woodley um you know robbie lawler reinvented his career in strike force I mean, guys had started over, you know, their careers in Strike Force and made it and had a successful career there, you know. And it was just fighting is a matter of confidence. And when you start building guys, their confidence level gets higher. And then when you start building guys and their confidence level get higher, you get you get better and more entertaining fights. And that's what we saw in Strike Force. If you want to compare fights, like entertainment wise, fuck man, Strike Force had some really entertaining fucking fights really entertaining when you if you want to compare like what was entertaining those fights and ufc fights at that time i would say the strike force fights were more entertaining and not just because i was there i mean it was just fucking amazing fights those showtime fights and those cbs fights those were fucking amazing fights man it was great the 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 fedor knockout of uh brett rogers i mean the fedor loss to fucking dan henderson I mean, there was Nick Diaz and, and Paul Daly, fucking, uh, what was his name, uh, what was it, shit, uh, Melvin Manoff and Robbie Lawler, I mean, there, there was some, Gilbert and I, our three fights, I mean, there was a lot of fucking really good fights, Misha Tate and Ronda Rousey, there, there was a lot of great, great fights uh, in that show, in, in, in Strike Force. and if, when you compare the actual entertainment-wise, um, 
in quality of fights, I thought Strikeforce was a, was producing a better production at the time. They were producing a better product of fights at the time. So, um, yeah, that's just my two cents on it, and I'm not trying to be biased at all. I just feel like at that time in the sport, things were the the production the the product of which fights were being produced. Strikeforce was producing better product. All right, we'll do this question, and then we'll, uh, I'll see if there's one more. Uh, this is from Nasif. He asks, which light heavyweight has the best chance of beating John Jones? There's your top 15 right now. And I guess Luke's going up to 205, right? Is he? Yeah, I don't have Luke in there, though. <laughs> I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just, I don't. Um, really, man? Oof. There's There's no one there. I mean, like, I would maybe say Santos, only say Santos, because Santos has huge power. And I think if somebody does connect on his chin, there's a good chance that that he can knock. Santos fights so crazy and so out of control. And if he's able to land something clean, it could be lights out for anyone. And when someone has that much power, that's the type of that's the type of people that John Jones should be kind of afraid of. Um, Corey Anderson's not gonna beat him. Ozemir can't beat him. Um what is it, Blackowitz? He can't beat him, I don't think. Anthony Smith, I don't think he's going to do very well. Gus just got smashed. I mean, DC, I'd like to see DC. It won't be at 205, but I'd like to see DC and John fight again at heavyweight, but I don't think it's going to happen. Just, I mean, we have the same management. I don't think it's going to happen, man. I'm just letting you guys know that now. Um, <clears throat> DC is going to fight Brock, I believe, and DC's going to call it a career, which I think is smart on his behalf, you know? Um, but as far as any of those guys in that in that weight class, I don't think any of them. I don't think any of them beat him. The only guy would be Santos, and I'm only giving Santos a puncher's chance because, fuck, man, he's got some fucking power. <laughs> that guy's got some power. Um, So most of the stuff you did answer on the podcast, this one's kind of a good question just because of um, cause it's an exciting announcement, but uh, this, uh, JJ asks... Oh, wait, where is it? Uh, sorry, Ben asks, any chance Coker tries to get James Gallagher in the 145 Grand Prix, Grand Prix 16-man tournament? I'm sure he will try to put the bigger names in the promotion in it. Um, You know, that has to do with the fighter. I mean, he'll probably ask him, but I don't see why he would. Gallagher looks better at 135 than he does at 145. Um, I don't think people... I think fans should understand how big these 145-pounders are. Look at Max Holloway cutting from 185, 190. Um, you know, Dustin Poirier was doing the same thing. Uh, I was training with Dustin Poirier when he was younger. He was 186 pounds. He fought at 145. I was in fucking shock that he was 180 pounds. Still, and was able to make 145. I was fucking baffled by it at the time. <clears throat> that being said, um, no, I, I don't think, I, I think he'll ask Gallagher if he wants to. Um, I don't think he will though, and that tournament's gonna be fucking insane. I wonder how long it's gonna take though. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, unless I, they do I, two I don't know. fights per card. Yeah, I don't know how they're gonna do it, but it's gonna be fucking great. I cannot fucking wait. Um, yeah, I I don't know, but it's gonna be fucking awesome. It's gonna be awesome. It'd be a good way to sell the cards if there's two tournament fights. On, on on the cards, you know, yeah. Like, yeah. So they could if they did it that way, that'd be a and, and and I think with it being a Grand Prix, like that would sell a card itself. If that yeah, was like main and co-main or yeah, two co-mains plus a plus a main. Yeah, I think what they're gonna do is probably have the two guys fight on the same two two fights 
of four guys. And then the winners of those will probably fight each other on like an, on the next card or something like that. You know what I mean? Do you think they'll do it the title with the title um, the same way as the welterweight is? I don't know. It depends on what happens, I think, with Patricio and Michael Chandler fighting at 155. So Patricio's becoming... Yeah, so I think whatever that... And this this whole thing won't happen until the beginning. Like, I want to say... When are they launching this? Um, I don't think... I don't even think it was a date because there's no names. Yeah, I... I think I think they're gonna launch it sometime in um, uh, like December, October, November, November, somewhere around there. They're gonna launch it. Yep, it's exciting. Yeah, I'm excited for the uh, this whole thing. I'm interested to see how they're gonna do it because they're gonna try to cram it all in one year. I do know that. I just don't know if they're gonna be able to because so many. When you add more people, fuck man, the chances of people getting hurt. I mean, it's insane. Yeah. But you're, I mean, you're pretty much using up all the talent, so it's not yeah. like you can even rotate fighters. Internet. I think it's cool as fuck though with the five rounds. If if it goes five rounds, and look, I'm not all in favor of that, but the fact that there's a title on the line, it's unfortunate for whoever's on the opposite side of the bracket, they don't get a chance. But just know at the end of the pie is there's an opportunity to be. Look, the the end goal is to win the title and be at the end, yeah. not the not to fucking win the title in the first round. And then fucking lose it the next round. That's not the end goal. The end goal is to be the champion at the end. <coughs> so, yeah, exactly. Yep, two belts. Grand Prix uh, championship belt and then the the other belt. Um, is that everything? Yep. We covered it all? Yeah. Uh, I think I didn't really cover it enough, but I want to say that um, my take on GSP and his career is... I had the utmost respect for everything he did. Everything. Everything he did, he handled himself like a true gentleman. Um, he, <clears throat> he, I think he helped the sport grow the way that it needed to grow. He brought in the crowds that, <clears throat> that learned how to appreciate mixed martial arts, the MMA crowd. He, he brought in something that the fighters, I believe, that these days are not bringing in. And um, sure, there are some that, that handle themselves and carry themselves like GSP. Uh, but it's been overshadowed by other other things. Uh, it's unfortunate, but I would like to say that it, it was a pleasure to fight on some of the same cards. The two of us both had our, um, I believe, our first fights. Maybe he was on my second card. Um, I believe my, we both fought, I believe, the first our first fights together on UFC, I want to say 44. 44. I, I fought Gerald Strebent, and I believe he fought um, Let's see. Carl Parisian. Uh, it doesn't look like it. It doesn't look like he was on that card at UFC 44. Then who did he fight? I, I believe he fought. Then he fought. Then he fought 46. At 46. Yeah, he fought Carl Parisian, I believe. George yeah. Saint Pierre. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he did. Yep. So I believe that, that was his first fight in the UFC. And he was... <clears throat> yeah, it was. He was such a fucking pleasure to watch. Um, everything about him, class act, and um, the utmost respect. And I wish him a very uh, successful life after uh, fighting. I, I believe anything he does, he will be successful at. Um, carries himself like a gentleman. Um, and it's great to see the way he is... I, the one thing that I wish I could take away um, 
that I would have learned from him, I think, at a younger age, <clears throat> that he did right, and I think fighters, <clears throat> is that he didn't he didn't sometimes, he was loyal to himself, which people will look at as a negative, but what he did was he took away from, every time he realized that the attention wasn't about making himself better at whatever camp he was at, he left and he made it better somewhere else. And I think he knew when it was time for him to separate himself from from camps. He didn't separate himself from the people. He just separated himself from the fact that he needed to go somewhere where he knew the attention needed to be about him if he wanted to be the best. And I think sometimes it's people, they fall in love too much. They fall in love too much with the word team. And I think I fell victim to it a little bit as well when I'm extremely loyal to loyal to a fault that I stayed with AKA the whole time. And I truly enjoyed every moment I ever was there. And I'm still there to this day. Um, I could have made changes. It just wasn't for me, but I do like how he always was out other places. One thing I could have done is I could have went to Hoist, uh, not Hoist, but uh, Hansel Gracie's and trained out there. I could have went out to Marcelo Gracie's and trained out there. Um, I could have went to other places. I had been places and trained. Like I trained with Frankie Edgar. I trained with Eve Edwards. I've trained with, you know, guys at Alliance. I've trained with guys in Huntington Beach. I've done all these guys in Idaho. I've trained with guys all around the world, but I hadn't trained with guys on a consistent basis that where that would evolve the my game to another level and I didn't spend enough time there to actually make it all work. This guy, he spent time with John Danner. He spent time with top guys around the world. Um Phil Nurse. He spent guys with spent time with guys, you know, um Faraz Azabi. Like Azabi. Like he spent time with these guys to um evolve his game. And he took what he worked, what worked best for him, and he made himself a more complete fighter. He spent time up in Simon Fraser uh, wrestling with the freestyle team there at that college. He spent time with the uh, Canadian Olympic freestyle team, I believe. He did all these things that made himself better. And I can tell you now, I speak from experiences that there was moments where I was listening to guys like Josh Koscheck, who he had moments where he said. You know, when he was about to fight GSP, you can't teach a grown man how to wrestle. He's not, he's not, he's not taking me down. He fucking took Josh down like it was nobody's fucking business. That guy was dedicated to to making himself better every single fucking day, and I can tell you now, he did a fucking wonderful job of it. And I'm gonna miss every opportunity I ever had to watch him fight live, and I'm gonna miss every opportunity I have to watch him fight on TV. And I, I, it's sad to see him go, but I understand, especially at his age at 37, it's the time to do it. And I got to say, man, and you said it correctly, brother, is that it was def, it's definitely hard to step away when you're on top. And you did something that not many people can say that they did. And uh, I really enjoyed your career, and I wish you the most success, um, the utmost success in everything you do. You're going to be missed, GSP. All right, man. You want to wrap this one up? Yep. It's good. Hey, Punk's opinion. Follow me at, at the real punk at Sammy and the Punk. Also, go to our YouTube. Hit the subscribe button, you guys. I know, you know what? I had a total fucking fuck up. Um, Sammy and I did a really bad show. We lost uh, like 10 subscribers because people were <laughs> pissed at us because we were arguing. Um, you know, yeah. I, look, I'm going to do a lot more of the Punk's opinion give you guys you guys hit me up with fan questions every moment you get i will touch base on those 
um, and we'll talk about it. I'll give you whatever inside track I know. I won't hold anything back. Uh, look, I'm not into the business of trying to talk dirt about a lot of people. So um, you're not going to hear me do that. What I am going to do is just give you my honest uh, upfront opinion. If you don't like it, leave a comment in the comment section and, uh, you know, and we'll talk about it later. Okay. Um, we'll work it out, <laughs> but, uh, hit the subscribe button in, in, in the YouTube channel. Um, get our iTunes, SoundCloud, Google play, and as well as Spotify, hit us all up. Producer Dave is now not just a nobody fan. He is now a casual fan. We're trying to move him into being a hardcore fan. Once we get him to hardcore fan status, okay. Now you, you will fucking probably regret it. Cause he's going to think he knows it all. But we're gonna go. We're gonna try to move him from casual fan to hardcore fan here shortly. I'm not biased, so I actually do know quite a lot. And you don't know, know shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, please do me a favor. Share this as well. Share as much as you possibly can. I'm trying to get the word out as much as you guys can. Share my punk's opinion. Let everyone know. If you guys know anybody though, also that would be interested in um, doing up a logo for Punk's Opinion as well as doing up like. Uh, like intros and short clips of my videos, please uh, hit me up in the DM in my Instagram or hit Sammy the Punk up in the DM, uh, the Instagram there. I may even um, uh, move over some other stuff too. And but hit me up and let I would like to have someone start doing cuts for me as well for YouTube and um, other things like that. So please, I uh, do truly appreciate it. Thank you so much. And um, hey, see you in a couple of days. <laughs>